0: Welcome to the Servants of Fire podcast, where we dive into real-life application of the prophetic, evangelism, pastoring, healing, and so much more. We'll have special guests and your host, Alvin Kaufman. This is your host, Alvin Kaufman.
1: Today, I'm joined by a special guest, Ivan Roman. Ivan is recognized as a prophet in the body of Christ, and I'm so thankful that he could join me today. So, Ivan, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing amazing. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, no problem. So, Ivan, if you want to just go into your, your background a little bit, tell us who you are. Tell us uh, about your function. Tell us about uh, your identity manual and the things
0: that uh, you've been working on recently. Awesome, yeah. So, I'd love to do that. I'm actually in just an incredible season right now of, of hearing the voice of God. And um, I believe that this is something that God is inviting obviously the whole church to, right? Isaiah 50 verse four says, he awakens my ear morning by morning to give me the tongue of the learned. And I think our expectation of how often we can hear the voice of God needs to increase. And so I've been really pushing in for just a greater level of receiving revelation. And uh, man, I've been having such really, really neat uh, encounters with the Lord. And I'll love to share some of those later. kind of how it started for me. Um, I I wasn't raised in a Christian home Uh, at 20. I gave my life to the Lord. I had a radical encounter where I was, um, innocent bystander drive by shooting and something pulled me away from a bullet. I fast forward, I was, uh, you know, part of a church and, um, in New Jersey is where I'm from. And, um, I started to, uh, have these experiences and, um, I'll share one of them that I that I normally don't share. Um, So I'm radically saved, right? And I'm 20 years old. And I try to go to the youth group, but that's kind of an awkward age, like, especially because I I was a 20 that already had a business and uh, sold real estate. And so I was an older 20, you know, and so I go to the to the youth group, and they're like young. And, uh, and so they're just playing and doing pizza. and, And that's great for certain age groups. But for me, I'm you know, I was looking for something a little bit deeper. And so I fell in love with Jesus, but I had a hard time finding myself in the church because it went from super young to super old. And at that season, there wasn't a lot of my age to run with, at least from my perspective, because, I mean, that's been a long time now. And so I started to kind of go back into the world and reach back to some old friends and and um, just started to compromise. And this one uh, scenario, this, this gal... Uh, she was a Christian gal. We were friends. And she started to tell me all of these uh, demonic manifestations that she was having. So and like I'm like weeks old in Jesus, right? Like maybe, maybe, maybe months. And she's telling me all these experiences, these demonic experience attacks and all this stuff. And my uncle had given me some tapes by Todd Bentley, by Kenneth Hagen. And so these guys were always talking about casting out devils and healing the sick. And so I just... You know, I'm like, I'm in compromise, like full on in compromise. And, and I'm like, I'm going to take authority over that demon in the name of Jesus. And so I start casting that. Well, the way I say it is, you know, she went home and she had a great night's sleep. I didn't. Whatever was attacking her came to my house. And so here I am, I'm 20 years old, a little bit of a background. I'm a world champion martial artist. I compete at the highest levels and, um, and I'm crying, craw- uh, crawled up in a ball. Uh, because there's something in my room, and I can see it with my eyes open. And and uh, people always ask me what it looked like. Well, if you could just imagine that the room is pitch black, because it was. The room is pitch black. There was something moving in the room, darker than the actual dark. And I didn't see eyes and hands, but it was a sh- it was moving. And it would come close to me, and I'd freak out. And it was it was so intense. And uh, it was like spirit of torment, which is what she was saying that was happening to her. And so in the deepest part of me, like in the, in my spirit, man, I started to hear a whisper, the blood of Jesus. And so I repeated that, the blood of Jesus. And it got louder, the blood of Jesus. And so I got louder with it. I got louder with it until all of a sudden I felt now, you know, I, I think you're from the East Coast, right, Evan?
1: Um, Canada, actually.
0: Oh, from Canada. Okay, well, the East Coast in – uh. New Jersey, you know, in the winter time, it is cold, and so my windows are closed, right? And I feel a wind blow by me, and then I hear a whisper in my right ear, my name, Ivan. I fall asleep. Next morning, I wake up. I don't hear it audibly now. I hear it in my heart. That same whisper, and I go, man, last night was crazy. Something was trying to attack me. I heard a voice call my name. I go in the bathroom. I turn the shower on because. My mom and dad weren't saved at the time. And I start to process. See, my mom, she's, I'm um, I'm Hispanic and a Hispanic culture mom would have turned the lights on, you know, checked on me. She would have, you know, you know how Spanish moms are. Um, My dad's got a very distinct voice. He's got a deep, deep voice. And so I thought, well, it wasn't my mom who comforted me and called me my name. It wasn't my dad. And all of a sudden I heard again, what I'm saying in my spirit, I keep pointing for the listeners, I'm pointing to my stomach. Right? The scripture says, from your innermost being flow out rivers of living water. There's something of the spirit man that dwells at the core of yourself. And so from that place, I heard my sheep hear my voice. I thought, dear God, God just spoke to me. And then my mind, my imagination starts going to like all the stories that I watched, like, you know, the movies, Charlton Heston, and all the supernatural shows. And, and I started thinking, well, if it, that was really God's voice that spoke to me, why didn't he like give me a message or unravel a scroll or, you know, and then I heard just clearly in my thoughts, my sheep, I'm sorry. No, no, no. That was, I heard this. I'm calling you. Whenever you're ready to follow me, I'm calling you. That's how the Lord called me in the ministry. And uh, I gave my life completely to him. I started to travel with Todd Bentley. I was the first intern back in 2000. During that time, it was a lot about the power of God and power evangelism. And so we would go to Africa, and India, and Ecuador, Peru, Thailand, I mean, all over the world, and we would go with this message of the gospel is power. And it was a demonstration of the power of God. It was Acts chapter one, all that Jesus began to do and teach. And so we'd be in a crusade, remember now, I'm only six months old in the Lord at this point. We'd be in a crusade, and Todd the evangelist would get up and say, God's gonna heal people here this morning, or he's not real, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, oh my gosh! <laughs> and, and the faith level would just go crazy, and people would get healed miraculously, and God was using me to see healings and miracles. But something else started to happen to me. My eyes started to be open in the spiritual realm. I would actually see the demonic. I would see, at that time, I didn't see a lot of angels, and I'll, I'll explain to you why I think that was because my heart was still not, uh, like I still had filters. I still had filters that needed to be cleaned, right? I still needed inner healing. So I could see in the spirit, but it was always the negative. I discerned the negative, I saw the negative. So for maybe some of your listeners that are growing in the prophetic, if all you see is the demonic realm, that is one of the gifts, one of the fruit of the discerning of spirits. But if that's all you're seeing, it actually points more to a heart that needs to be healed right yeah. there's more angels than demons right like colossians 3:1 set your mind on things above where christ is seated you know heaven's perspective and so anyway i would see and i would have all these prophetic experiences and and during that time it was really confusing because you know the evangelist personality was so aggressive like oh like Ugh! and i just wanted to be alone I just, I wanted to be alone. I wanted to be soaking. I wanted to be waiting on the Lord. And so during that season, people started to recognize me and they said, you know, we feel like you're, you're they would call me a seer, right? First Samuel chapter nine, it says formerly in Israel, they were called prophets, but now they're called seers, mm-hmm. right? And so if you study the word for prophet in the scripture, there's actually lots of words. One is nabi, which means to bubble forth. Uh, nabab just simply means prophet. And then there's the word um, choze or ra'a. One means to see in a vision and the other stargazer. Hmm. And so it's interesting. So for me, I would be in a worship service and I would open my eyes and I'd be looking around. And it looks like I'm not engaged. It looks like this guy's not even paying attention. We brought this guy to speak at the church (laughs) and he's not even worshiping. look at him. Well, really what's happening is in Habakkuk chapter two, it says this, Habakkuk looked to see what the Lord would say to him. So by faith, I learned very early on how to look in the spirit. So I actually will look around by faith, believing that God's going to show me something. And he always does. He's always faithful to show me. So that's a little bit of how the prophetic started to operate was I would start to see pictures, but I didn't understand what I was seeing. Sometimes I would see a word written over somebody's head. I would see the word medical missions, and I just walk over and say, hey, I just saw the word medical missions and they'd cry. I used to be a missionary and then we got married and it's in my heart to go back. you know. And then there's times where I would see words that were not good. Um, I see the word pedophile over a guy and uh, th- those aren't fun. you know. And you say, well, why would God show you that? Because at the time I was overseeing the youth group and God will show the shepherd the wow. discernment to be able to protect the kids. So uh, it's been a trippy, trippy journey, Alvin. And uh, it's just now to this place, so I'm going on, uh, what would it be, 18 years of full-time ministry. It's just now in this place that people are beginning to, uh, um, when I get invited to speak somewhere, they'll say, we want to uh, honor a prophet in the name of a prophet. This take 18 years where I've always been operating in the prophetic and the call has been on my life. Those mentors that were in my life early on, they said, this is what God's going to do. He's gonna raise you up as a prophet in your generation. Those are words I kept to myself. I had an encounter with the Lord where he spoke that in 2004, but I didn't push the doors open. Uh, I didn't ever call myself any of the fivefold ministry. I just allowed the Lord, You know, he's the one that gives the calling, and then people are the one that recognize it. So I'm now in a season after 18 years, I'm a little older, A little bit more calm a little bit more mature my character is a little better than it was you know and uh now god is having me go into movements and actually i'm i'm becoming a prophetic voice to movements and what that looks like is not always from the front prophesying i think that's one of the shifts that you know yes as a prophetic person you need to prophesy over people it doesn't make sense if you're a prophetic person and you don't prophesy it doesn't make sense remember the it's a it's a function it's a verb, not a noun, but, but a lot of the, the office of the prophet is operating behind the scenes, right? It's going into a church, going into a movement, going into a business, and being able to, to see what God is doing and, and actually see transitions where pastors transition, it's, who's my successor? They're asking God, God, who's my successor? We'll go in there, God will say, that guy in the crowd. And then you meet with the pastor, you know, I noticed this light over this, that's my, you know, like crazy stuff that shifts entire movements, but nobody really sees you do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's behind the scenes stuff. And so I think for a lot of uh, emerging prophetic voices, just to really embrace the journey, that would be my my encouragement. So uh, did you have any other questions?
1: You kind of went, you kind of touched a little bit into uh, identity, I guess. And um, even as you were talking, it, it kind of Related. I just came off a, a street mission program probably uh, about a month ago, and it was one of my main messages was who we are relates to our purpose, and yes. you and and also it kind of ties into the identity thing, because what I see a lot with young people is performance, even myself yes. sometimes too. I and I can relate to that message. Um, one kid will be manifesting, and everybody is like, "Oh, I, I want that! I want that!" because they think that's right. the, you know, that that's the holy thing to do, and and God is touching that person because they're special. But it has nothing to do with that at all. And I was trying to tell them like, if we recognize who we are, our purpose f- flows out of that. And you talked, you talked a lot. Um, just touched on it how you said um, you were with Todd Bentley, who's a, a healing evangelist. And I mean, mm-hmm. I can. Even some of your stories, I know they relate to identity because you're looking at Todd and he's getting all these power um, testimonies coming out of it. And you're sitting there as a prophet, somebody who can move in the evangelistic flow, but you're a prophet. You were called a prophet. So can you just maybe touch on that a little bit in in identity and, and talk about that?
0: So here I am, six months old in the Lord, right? So I was a world champion martial artist. I was a middleweight fighter. I was ripped, right? Six days a week, sometimes seven, training. And um, so I go from that, and I owned a business, and I sold real estate. So I was doing really well financially. I was a young guy, good head on my shoulders. I get radically saved. Now, the way that I started to travel with Todd was supernatural. Um, I saw him moving in miracles. I'd never seen anything like this before. I said this to the Lord. If you can use me the way you use that man, have him invite me to travel with him. The next day in the service, he calls me out. And he says, young man, if you have a desire to travel with me, I extend an invitation. So so I travel with Todd, I'm six months old in the Lord. My identity is wrapped up in the fact that I'm a martial artist, I'm a real estate agent. You know, I was I was in really great shape. and uh, And now I start traveling with Todd and I know nothing. I know nothing about the Bible. I know nothing about ministry. I have, at that time, uh, prophetic experiences, but I didn't have understanding, right? I didn't have the depth of the word or the depth of intimacy with the Christ to understand what I was seeing. And so a lot of times it was kind of harsh. You know, I just kind of would look at somebody and say, that person's doing this. And a lot of times it was right, but it was in the wrong spirit. I Mm -hmm. didn't know. I didn't know that this was the gifts of the spirit were operating in me, but (laughs) I needed to be cleansed, you know? And so... Um, during that season, I'm I'm not min- I'm watching Todd Minister. Power of God is moving, man. Back in the day, Alvin, I'll be honest with you, because I don't I don't ever want to be that guy. Like in the glory days, but like I love all these movements. I love all these movements. But I have not seen still yet the power of God demonstrated the way that I've seen it back in the 2000s when I traveled with Todd. Mm-hmm. Now now people are all about you know decency and order and seeker sensitive and let's not offend and. Man, Todd was just right out of the streets, you know, and he'd just get up there and say, demons, come out of people, and they would, and then people would fly all over the place and vomit. <laughs> it was crazy, and it was amazing, you know? Now it's like, Holy Spirit, come. Oh, no, that person's shaking too much. Time to stop, or let's not do that on a Sunday morning, and we're just so, you know, we're walking around, like, you know, scared about everything, and so so now here I am. My identity is wrapped up in all the wrong wrong things. I, I can't really... Like there was so many character issues that they let me pray for people, but they had to be careful with me. Right. So let me give you an, a case in point. I might have been praying for a girl who's kind of cute. So I thought that's the Lord is speaking right there. <laughs> you know, 20 years old, I'd go up to the cute, cutest guy in the room. And be Like, I have a word for you, honey. You know, like I just totally like and I thought it was OK. I just come from the world from nightclub culture. And now I'm traveling around the world with at that time one of the most up and coming evangelists in the US and Canada. So so they're like, look, I you can't be trying to get the phone numbers, bro. And I'm like, oh, what? what? I'm single. Yeah, but you're the minister, you know? And so like, th- that's the kind of stuff that was going on behind the scenes, you know? I'll tell you a funny story. Todd shares this in some of his, uh, he used to share it more, but he's like, I had this intern one time and he didn't even know what, that he wasn't supposed to be going out to the bars. And so one time I was on a ministry trip, and God took me in the spirit, and I saw my intern at a nightclub. And he's like, I called him the next day, and I said, What were you doing at that nightclub? And he's like, Well, what's wrong with that? He's like, God took me in the spirit, and I saw you there. I mean, you can't be doing that, right? You know. And so like, it was like Todd, God would show Todd stuff, but I was dangerous, you know. And so that was, I thought that was all okay, you know. And so basically, they put me in the back to sell books. Now I have a sales background. I sold real estate, I sold contracts for martial arts, and uh, and so I became like the best salesman they've ever had with books. I'd set the books up, like they would just stack books on the table, like you don't do that. I would organize the books. I'd get a tape of the month. I'd get, you know, and I'd set everything up really nicely. When people would come over, I would talk. And so the sales went up. But here's the problem. That's not why I left my business, that I was making real money to come sell tapes, to peddle books, you know, at a conference, you know. And so I started getting super, super frustrated, and and I started gaining weight because the culture, the conference culture is like this. You speak at night you know, seven o'clock, the worship starts. You don't get up to about about eight, you know, and then with Todd's meetings, even back in the day, they'd go 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. So now we're hungry. Now we go eat burgers. I put on 50 pounds. (laughs) So now I'm fat. Now I'm selling tapes, you know, and I'm like, who am I? And I started to struggle so much with my identity because, you know, I would go with Todd places and I would say, you know, uh, well, yeah, you know, I uh, actually, one of the youngest fourth degree black belts in New Jersey, they'd go, you studied martial arts? And I'd be like, oh, yes, I studied with some of the greatest grandmasters. And they'd go, have you had repentance and like renounce some of those things? And I'd go, what? Now everything that I thought was good and was me, now it needs to be delivered, right? And so during that season, it was so hard. And then to to add to this, so I'm constantly trying to, Compete with Todd, even though he didn't know. But I'm trying to like move in power, and nothing's happening. He lays hands on somebody, they come stand up, their deaf ears are open. I lay hands, they come up, they have a headache. You know, like <laughs> it's like, I didn't have a headache, but when you touch me, I got a headache. You know, it's like, what the crap? You know, and so then all of a sudden now I'm saying that and I'm exaggerating. I did see some miracles, but they weren't to the degree. But I would lay hands on people and I'd cry because I would see the hurt in their heart. I would see, i get a picture for them. So my ministry became more compassion and prophecy and his ministry was power. You can't compare those side by side, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, then to boot, his dad gets radically saved. I mean, you're talking about a guy that for 20 years drank a six pack and smoked two joints every day. He gets radically saved. They make us roommates, right? The guy walks into the apartment gets slain in this, I'm there, he's my roommate. He gets slain in the spirit. He goes into out of trances, encounters third heaven experiences, crazy. I'm like watching this, like what the heck, here I am. God, I'm right here. I'm here and you're visiting that guy, I feel nothing. You know what I would do, Alvin? I was such a a little jerk. I'd put like MTV on really loud, like some kind of crazy secular music (laughs) just to like try to grieve the spirit so he would leave because I was so jealous. (laughs) One time I was sleeping. And I had on Don Potter, you know, show me your face, Lord. I repeat, and I just cried. I want to see if all of a sudden I hear these footsteps. I get up, I run to the uh, to the living room. There's Todd's dad pacing back and forth, smoking a cigarette. He's not supposed to be smoking a cigarette in the apartment. Smoking a pacing, pale. And I'm like, Bro, are you okay? He's like, The Lord Jesus just walked in my room and sat at the foot of my bed and freaked me out. I'm like, Wait a minute. Jesus, son of God, sat at the foot of your bed and you jumped out of bed, grabbed a cigarette and started pacing the living room. Like, "Alvin, I'm in the room next to him, depending the way Jesus came into the house, you know, he walked by my room and I'm going, (laughs) show me your face. Like, you know, and it was it's funny now, but back then it was so hard and I it got to this point where this is the this is the sad part. Todd would soak and wait on the Lord, right? And he'd get words of knowledge. I would soak and wait on the Lord. But I I didn't soak for the sake of intimacy. Like Todd soaking four to 12 hours a day, waiting on Holy Spirit. He'd get revelation from God out of a place of friendship. I only was operating in a gift. Hmm. Well, if you, there's certain principles, right? Like the law of sowing and reaping. There's certain principles that reigns on the just and the unjust. I prayed in tongues so much that the gifts started to operate through me sharp. So now I started to develop a reputation of having a gift of prophecy. So now I became the prophetic guy. I wasn't just the fat guy selling books. Now I was the prophetic guy. So now they'd say, hey, Todd, when you come, you should bring that prophetic guy because I like the way he ministers. So, so now I'm the prophetic guy. And that was probably one of the worst things that could possibly have happened to me. And I, the Lord permitted it to happen because now I have an identity in the gift of prophecy I started getting invitations I started traveling and and I actually started to see God move in power I you know I kind of launched out into my own ministry I saw God move in power but what started to happen was I started feeling used taken advantage of burned out frustrated angry with the church right and and I would go back to my room and it was like During the meeting, I felt like I was standing under Niagara Falls, words of knowledge, prophecy, gifts of healing, and then all of a sudden, I'd go back to my room, and it's like God wasn't there. Hmm. And I started trying to search for him any way I knew how, but my relationship was just gifts. It was during that season that God began to put messages, like, you know, somebody would walk up to me, and they'd hand me a teaching tape, and somebody else would come up, and they'd give me a book, and all about friendship with God. It was during that season that I, I said, you know what, God, if I didn't have a ministry, if I had no gifts, but I had face-to-face encounters with you, I had friendship with you, that's all I want. And I started to pray like that. I started to pray very different than like, give me power, God, give me anointing, more fire, more glory, more power. Like that's that's okay to pray, but that's all I prayed. You know, I was never like, good morning, Holy Spirit kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so during that season, I shifted. I still had ministry, but instead of like the excitement being all about the meeting. The excitement was all about going back to the hotel room and waiting on the Lord. During that season, God began to visit me. He began to heal my heart. He would wake me up in the middle of the night. And let me explain what that means because I I don't want people imagining physical Jesus shaking me up. No, you're asleep. You're completely out. especially a guy like me, I'm on my back, I'm out. And all of a sudden, it's like caffeine injects into your veins. You're awake, and you have an awareness of the presence of God. And that's what would happen. I'd wake up with an awareness of the presence of God. During that season, I would, yes, Lord. And I would hear this. I love you. Mm. And here's my response. I know that. What do you want to tell me for the church? (laughs) (laughs) All I wanted, dude. All I wanted was to get the best prophetic word to release to the church, right? To get on the Elijah list, to get a conference, to get, you know. And, And so my heart was so wrong. He just kept doing it kept doing it until there came to a point where it's like it started to hit me like he loves me during that season luke 3 21 became my life's verse and jesus is being baptized by john you remember that you know i'm gonna wear the tire sandals it needs to be done john baptizes jesus jesus comes up out of the water the heavens part the dove it says the spirit of god descends like a dove and the voice of the father says this is my beloved son and whom i'm well pleased I read that verse, it made no sense. Why was God proud of Jesus? He had done no miracles, no signs and wonders. Like, he didn't even preach yet. Like, what was it about? And seriously, I was like, what is it about that moment that made the father proud? Like, he didn't do anything. And it hit me. Wow, he was proud of him because he was his son. Mm -hmm. And that wrecked me. The revelation of sonship, coming to that place of, I am a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a friend of God. Bob Jones used to say this. He's a a seer prophet who passed away. He'd say, whether I take a nap or raise the dead, God loves me the same. Mm. Man, I thought he only loved those that were raising the dead. Mm. And he only loved those with big ministries. You know what I'm saying? Like I would have never said that, but those were my values. So identity has become a huge, huge part. Like even now with people identifying me more and more like, you know, Ivan is a prophet and this and that. It doesn't it doesn't mess with my head. Right. It's like it's like if if you're a mechanic, that's what you do. It's a part of who you are, but it's not where you get all of your identity. Right. There's other things that you are. And so for me, I feel like God brought me through this process of like discovering his nature, his character, who I am in him to where. If I didn't do ministry, I'd miss it. But as long as I had intimacy with him, it'd be all right. My identity is not wrapped up in ministry anymore. I don't have ministry hunger. I don't. I don't uh, want titles. Or it's just I'm at a place of rest. I found my home in, in God. You know, and um, that would be one of the things I would really encourage your listeners. Like one of the things I struggled with was this kind of wandering thing. Like I, 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 I never felt at home. I could never be by myself if it was quiet. I didn't like myself. I didn't love myself. And and I remember that season of trying to discover, like, I have no peace. Like, I have to keep myself busy to find peace. And I had this experience once where I saw Jesus in a vision. He was digging a hole. Man, there was tons of rocks in this hole. And he's digging, and he's digging, and he's digging. And the vision took a long time. And I saw him dig out every single rock out of this hole. The vision shifts were the Lord Jesus, he gets in that little uh, hole that he dug and he nestles in. I felt the manifest presence of God come over me like peace. And I heard Ephesians chapter three, that he will settle down, abide and rest in your heart. Those rocks were the hard places that he was removing from my heart. And from that encounter, I can go back there. I can go back there right now, even as I share it. Jesus is resting in my heart. I've found my home. i found my home in Christ. It doesn't matter where I'm at. I can access the presence of God in an airplane. My kids can be in the car fighting, yelling at each other. I can close my eyes, shh, access the presence. I've found my home. So that's a huge thing with identity as well because the orphan, man, orphan spirit often is a wandering spirit. But I'm sure you have some more questions. But, uh,
1: ways to receive revelation um, kind of in the prophetic flow, a lot of people have questions on ways that you receive. You talk a lot about a vision that you just said you had about the rocks in your heart. How did that come? What does that look like? Um, even in meetings too, like words of knowledge, how do they come to you? Um, okay. just go through that kind of process. Maybe if you can.
0: Let me really quickly plug, plug some of my resources, um, yep, go ahead. that's okay with you. So I've written the identity manual. And um, that's all about identity, a lot of stuff that we're talking about. I also wrote a book called The Heart of the Prophetic, which covers the gift of prophecy from a new covenant perspective. Mm. And what I do with that is I is I reveal the love of the Father, the nature and character of God in the Old Testament. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. People don't believe that. They go, wait a minute. That God, that you know destruction and judgment. And so I really go back into the Old Testament and bring understanding. My newest book is a lot of the questions that you're asking me now. It just came out like a few days ago called Prophets Among Us. And the point of this book is to answer questions like, like you're asking. Like, okay, so I watch somebody – okay, number one, let's say I feel called to be a prophet. Is that okay? Am I crazy? You know, And I dive into some of that stuff as well. What is biblical humility? If God calls you king, you're king. If God calls you to be a prophet, you are. People are going to look at you weird. They're going to mistreat you. They're going to, you know what? It is what it is. You just got to be securing your identity. But um, when it comes to ways of receiving revelation, one of the chapters in the Heart of the Prophetic, as well as Prophets Among Us, is I I show I take all the different types of prophets in the Bible and I break it down. And then in the Heart of the Prophetic, I take all the Hebrew words for prophecy and I break them down. So what you'll find is let me give you an example Exodus chapter 19 The Bible says there was fire the the, mount- the mountains were shaking right if a if an animal were to touch the mountain it would die and 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 God speaks to Moses out of this experience If you go to 1 Kings 19 it says that there was fire and there was wind and there was shaking and it's almost the, paralleling the exact same um, context. It's like this exact same scenario. And it says, but God was not in the wind. He wasn't in the, the fire. He, For Elijah, it was the still, small voice. Mm. I think it's important for prophetic people, or just Christians in general, Revelations 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. We love that verse for evangelism, but actually it's speaking to the church. God is knocking at the door of every one of our hearts, And it's our responsibility to learn how he knocks on the door of our hearts. God's first language isn't Spanish. It's not English. It's not German. It's not Russian. It's the language of the spirit. Those who worship the Father must worship in spirit and truth. We have to learn to step into the spiritual realm to access God. Let me give you one key, worship. Hmm. And when I say a key, I don't mean to use worship as a way to get God to talk to you about something. I mean, worship him with just no agenda. That's something I feel, feel like the church needs to get again. We worship in order to get a gift. We worship in order to get somebody healed. We were, it's, like, it's like manipulation. No, 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 I'm talking about worship without agenda. Just spending time with God. First Samuel 3, it says that Samuel lied down by the ark, And it was there that he heard the Lord say Samuel three times. So I would encourage people to just get into that place of worship. Remember 1 Kings? Uh, Elisha, he says, uh, bring me a minstrel and I'll prophesy. The prophetic is connected to the atmosphere of worship. So that's mm-hmm. huge. Um, I shared that there's different types of prophetic gifts. Um, those of you that are like my wife, my wife is crazy prophetic, but she's polar opposite of me. She's super quiet. So if you hear me talk about my experiences, right? Let me, uh, okay, so I'm. I'm sharing, I'm teaching how to hear the voice of God. I share this vision that I I just had, right? I talk about the time I'm sitting down, an angel appears in my face, he's got a coal in his hand, right? God gives me a download of Isaiah chapter six. From that season, everywhere I go, fire breaks up. I share that kind of stuff and people go, well, I must not be a prophet or prophetic because I've never had an angel appear in my face. You know what I mean? My wife will sit down and she'll say, I have to go away to a quiet place. I have to wait on the Lord. And she'll ask him questions, right? And that's a key. Those of you that are listening, people don't ask the Lord questions, right? Mm -hmm. Prayer is supposed to be a dialogue, not a monologue. So we come into our prayer meeting, we ask him all these things, and then we leave. We don't give him time to talk. And so waiting on the Lord quietly and asking him very specific questions is a real key in hearing the voice of God. My wife, the presence of God will come over her. She'll start to weep. She'll have a sense of what the Lord is saying. So to answer your question about um, ways that we receive revelation, the first thing that I would say is we get so comfortable and like God only speaks to me through the word. Absolutely, right? God only speaks to me when I dream. That's amazing. Develop it. But we need to begin to press in for the fullness. I want everything I see in Scripture, right? Right? Um, I've had heavenly experiences before. I've never been transported or translated. I've never walked through a wall. That sounds crazy to people, but John 14, 12 says, greater works than these will you do because I go to the Father. I want all that Jesus paid for on the cross. So I'm a little bit like of a crazy guy who's pushing and pushing and pushing. So I would encourage people to start believing God for an increase of the prophetic in their lives. But a friend of mine said this, you're not really going to get lots of the prophetic words if you're not asking God for words for people. So one of the keys is actually ministering to people and, and stepping out in faith. So let's, let's start with words of knowledge. The way that it worked for Todd Bentley was like this. So Todd Bentley is, is up ministering and he says, Mary, is there a Mary here? And does ten five 5 make sense? Mary gets up and says, 10-5 is my birthday. He says, come up here. Do you have any sickness in your body? Yes. And she gets healed, right? So I watch him do this all the time. I say, how do you do it? He said, Ivan. He says I hear God the same way you do. The difference between you and I is that I have more faith than you. Now that wasn't a rebuke, well, because I am—I get trapped in my head, Alvin. I get stuck. Man. It's like, is that God is at me? Is that God is at me less now? But seriously, is that God is at me? Is that and and so when Todd's ministering, he's like Ivan. God wants to speak to people. His thoughts towards us are as numerable as the sands in the seashore. Mm-hmm. When I get a thought, a spontaneous thought like that, it's not always a vision. It's not always this booming voice. Just a little thought. He'll grab it. Say, Mary. Right? And that requires faith because what if you're wrong? But then what if you're right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I feel like that that's the way that Todd would wait on the Lord for hours before a meeting. And he would get revelation. That's what he said to me. He says, Ivan, it's all about a dialogue. I'd say, God, uh, show me somebody you wanna heal in the meeting. And he goes, and then I would see a woman and I would see her right shoulder. And then he'd say, then I'd ask, God, what's her name? God, what's her son's name? And he would ask the Lord questions and he would press in for greater detail. Sometimes he didn't get it, sometimes he missed it, but a lot of times he nailed it, right? For me, it doesn't work like that. I wait on the Lord for words of knowledge. I get stuff, but... For me, it operates spontaneously. Mm -hmm. I'm in a meeting. I start prophesying. Next thing you know, Martha, who's Martha? That's my sister. Cancer, does she have cancer? And so for me, it's the bubbling forth, the words of knowledge. So the way that I've grown in the word of knowledge gift is by just praying for people as often as I can. (laughs) Um, And so I think it's important. And the reason why I'm sharing it like that. So Sean Bowles. Sean Bowles is amazing. Uh, God's Secrets, translating God, and um, I know Sean, and I've been able to talk to Sean about the way he receives words of knowledge. The way Sean is, is he'll be like going for a walk, and he'll have a thought, I wonder how my friend Bob is doing, and then a guy will be walking up, and he will be highlighted to him, and Sean will go, is your name Bob? And the guy goes, yes, how did you know? And That's how it works for Sean. People think it's like he's seeing angels. And no, a lot of what's happening to Sean is face and name recognition. Does that sound weird? Mm -hmm. Like techie, but that's how God will speak to him Mm -hmm. where he'll look at somebody and all of a sudden he'll see his sister and he'll think of her birthday and he'll go, hey, is your birthday March 25th? And they'll go, how did you know? Right. And that's how he's operating. God is showing him certain things. And for him, it's super fun. The other thing that Sean does, and one of my mentors, Brent Borthwick, does, is God will speak to them months, sometimes years, and they'll have all this information. They'll write it down. They'll be in a meeting, and they won't know when that revelation is supposed to be released. And then all of a sudden, they'll be like, I feel like I'm supposed to read this word I got six months ago. And the person's there, right? So I would say if you take all the things I'm saying, wait on the Lord, right? Ask the Lord questions, journaling, and activate the gift. Because what you're going to discover is I've gone the meetings inspired by Sean. I'll get up there and I'll say, I'm going to step out in words of knowledge. Does this date mean anything to somebody? Somebody gets up. I get a name. It's happened to me once, Right? <laughs> And I'm like, yay! But really, it's just, it's, it's, but, but I keep pressing for it. For me, it's standing people up and ministering prophetically, right? That's the, that's the gift. That's the strength. Doesn't mean you don't develop other giftings. And so that's why I feel like it's important for us to earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but really you begin to recognize what are the gifts and the ways that God has called you, mm. right? and then really embrace those gifts and develop those gifts. For example, discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits, I believe, is connected to the seer gift. It's not just seeing demons. It's seeing the angelic. It's discerning the Holy Spirit. It's discerning the the human spirit. All this is in my book. And so when the discerning of spirits gift, when I walk into a place, that's probably my strongest gift. When I walk into a church, a lot of times, I will feel what's wrong first. I'll feel what's off. Discernment is an invitation to hear the voice of God. Where I made the mistake when I was younger is I would get up and I'd say, this church is not pressing in for, you know, and I'd rebuke the freaking church. And it would be right, but it wouldn't be encouraging. Where now I'll walk into a place and I'll begin to discern, huh? There's something going on with their leadership team, Lord. What's going on with their leadership team, Father? What are you saying? And I'll just start asking God questions for the whole weekend. Next thing you know, God begins to speak to me. This person that needs to be uh, transitioned into a different role. And then so now I'm not just sharing the problem because that doesn't help. I get itinerant ministers that are prophetic because now I also pastor church. They'll come to me and they'll start telling they'll pick up the problems. You know what? That doesn't help. I already know the problems. I live here. I don't need to know about the spirit of app. I don't need to. I need to know the solutions. So mm-hmm. I've decided to become a solution prophet. <laughs> so if I don't have the solution, I won't tell you what I'm feeling. Right. And that requires maturity. So anyway, that's. Was there anything more specific uh, that you were thinking?
1: No, I think that's good. I, I think we're pretty much out of time. Um, maybe if you could just touch on where we can find your products, Ivan. And um, yeah.
0: Okay. So we're going to go <laughs> ivanroman.org. Really easy. I-V-A-N-R-O-M-A-N, IvanRoman.org. Go to my website. It's right there, all the books. And uh, you could also go to Amazon, but I get more uh, money if you buy it directly off my website. So I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> yeah, right on. I've actually ordered your uh, new book. Um, awesome. I just did, I think, a couple of days ago. So I'm looking forward to digging through that. I also have his identity manual. And, uh, I mean, I can plug that, too. It's a great resource, too. It's helped me along along my journey, So. Awesome. all right thank you alvin yeah no problem thanks so much for joining me today ivan and uh yeah we look forward to keeping in touch in the future all right blessings my friend hey everyone thanks for joining us episode five with ivan roman servants of fire podcast find us on twitter at servants fire Pod or on facebook the servants of fire podcast